This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. I had another plan to use West Coast Express just in case. Just takes a taxi to Coquitlam uh, Station and then uh, take the West Coast Express from there. My plan was to catch the Catiline and go to King Edwards and get a ride with my boss. All right, welcome back. Mike Smith in for Simi. Those are the voices of some relieved commuters on the SkyTrain system throughout this morning after 18 hours of nonstop bargaining and 10 minutes before a 5 a.m. strike deadline. The union representing SkyTrain workers and their employer announced a tentative contract settlement today. So that big whooshing sound you heard this morning, that was everyone going, whoo. Man, another close one. It was like two weeks ago we had the bus drivers threatening to shut the system down too, and they got a last-minute deal as well. So a SkyTrain strike narrowly averted this morning. Details on the deal will not be uh, announced until after a ratification vote. You heard some of the passengers there uh, talking about their plan B, if they had a plan B uh, to get to work. I think a lot of people were relying on the West Coast Express today. Maybe other people were trying to line up a taxi fortunately they did get the deal i think one of the things that these strikes or near strikes show is just how important the transit system has become in metro vancouver just the thought of any part of the system being shut down is just causing people to shudder all through the system we got an excellent panel here to talk about all this gordon price he's a fellow at simon fraser university center for dialogue he's a former vancouver city councillor hiya gordon thanks for the invitation Thanks for coming on. Also on the line, Brent Totterin. He's the former chief planner for the city of Vancouver. And I'm very pleased to welcome him back, too. Hi, Brent. Hi, Mike. Hi, Gordon. Hi, yeah. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Brent, let me go to you first. I think this shows the importance of the transit system, doesn't it? Like, I remember the last big transit strike way back when, like 18 years ago, and it was that was brutal enough. But can you imagine if the system had been shut down by either of these possible strikes? It would have been brutal. Well, the massive success of transit in the intervening years has just made it more and more clear that our region really only functions properly on public transit. It's driven by public transit, if you'll forgive that pun. And um, I I think there's a tendency for, for people to think, if I don't take public transit, then public transit doesn't affect me. But the conversation uh, in the context of both of these potential strikes has really illustrated that whether you ever take public transit or not, or whether you take a different kind of public transit, like you take the bus, whereas a SkyTrain that might be shutting down, everybody is affected. Everybody. Because uh, when, if everyone shifts from taking SkyTrain to driving, for example, not only are all the drivers stuck in gridlock, but the buses, unless they have a dedicated lane, and most of them don't, the buses are all stuck in the same traffic, too. So our whole system is dependent, uh, our whole economy, certainly the most vulnerable people uh, in our region, but everybody in our region is dependent on transit, whether you ever use it or not. So if you didn't appreciate it before, I sure hope you appreciate the importance of investment in public transit now. Okay, so when you say that everybody's affected, you do you include drivers in there? Uh, Particularly drivers, and some people don't like it when I emphasize drivers, but, but it's kind of important to note that this isn't a transit versus drivers perspective. If you want to drive or if you need to drive, the best thing you could possibly hope for is a successful public transit system, in addition to things like walking and biking, too, because if everybody's trying to drive and you feel you need to drive, 
then all those people are in front of you and they're keeping you from getting anywhere. It's basic geometry. It's basic math and economics. Not everybody who wants to move in our region can move if everybody's trying to drive. We desperately need ways of getting around that take up less space, less public money, less emissions, better public health, etc. Okay, Gordon Price from SFU, do you agree on the importance of the transit system here? Remember a few years ago how we were bad-mouthing TransLink? <laughs> we basically <laughs> gave it a vote of non-confidence in that referendum. <laughs> it looked pretty bleak. And now, uh, you know, Brent said it, we had this massive success. It is actually kind of boggling, 17% increases. I think there's a bunch of reasons for them, but it gets us to that point you, you asked about, uh, the unquestioned need uh, dependence on it now. Yeah, do you remember the last strike? I mean, I remember covering that last strike, like what was it, 17, 18 years ago, and it was it was a terrible situation and it dragged on for months. But yeah. man, I mean, the city has transformed since then. I mean, the city's much more dependent on transit now, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but you know, I did hear from drivers back then that they, in some cases, felt the traffic moved better yeah. uh, because of the absence of the buses. Uh, yeah, no reason not to believe that. And <laughs> well, I would not wish this. It would have sure been interesting to see how dependent we have become if either the buses or, or SkyTrain had gone down. Uh, my guess is unions did not want to go there. They didn't want to find out the answer to that question. Yeah, I agree. Let me go back to Brent Totter. And Brent, you tweet a lot and you write a lot about smart transit strategies uh, on an urban level and also around parking and land use. Talk to me a little bit about that and some of the, some of the parking strategies that you, you're talking about in land use when it comes to mobil- moving around the city. Well, when we talk about transit, uh, often we, we compare the kind of space you would need to actually move all those people by vehicles, by cars. And ironically, our vehicles are getting bigger and bigger, and, and, and that's a problem in and of itself. But how many lanes of traffic? I've heard the estimates that one SkyTrain line replaces somewhere between 20 and 26 lanes of traffic, massive amounts of space that we would never be able to or want to afford to build, and they would devastate neighborhoods as we're building these freeways. But we we rarely remember to talk about the parking side of things. Even if everybody could drive during a transit strike or in general, you you assume there's a parking space waiting for you. The amount of staggering amount of parking that has cost implications, affordability, climate change and greenhouse gas implications. It's remarkable when you start to think about all the things you have to design and build and pay for in your region and the costs and consequences of all of those things like climate change and public health when you're accommodating the car. So having alternatives, not just viable alternatives, but attractive alternatives like transit, walking, and biking, and those are all fed by smarter land use, good density, mixed uses that actually allow you to have things nearby or connected well by transit so you're not in low-density sprawl. All of those things are critical to our region getting a lot of attention, not just for great transit, but as a great... Isn't it amazing to look at the skyline these days, looking east, down the valley, and see these kind of glittering cities that you know are the station areas. And that's all happened in about the last 10, 15 years. It's a stunning transformation. Right. What do you think all of... your transit stations, mostly. Yeah, and it, right, it's the powerful combination of good transit and good land use. And right. I think we're I think we're world leaders on it. Gordon Price, when you take a look at the existing system right now, what, what do you where do you think we're most we're most lacking, or what do you think should be the top priority for for improving the system? Because I think a lot of people out there, if they drive their car, 
let's say on a daily basis, they might be listening to this thinking like, well, yeah, I yeah. mean, that sounds wonderful. Give me a transit option. For a lot of people, they don't have a transit option. They have to use yeah. their car. But maybe that maybe that is an argument for improving the transit system. Your thoughts? Do you have a compass card? <laughs> I would if I lived in Vancouver. All right. Uh, <laughs> is, is it pretty common? Most people, you know, have a compass card? Sure. Yeah. So that's your entry into this uh, get, uh, transit system that keeps getting better and better. That plus information. You got an app. Tell when the next bus is coming. Uh, you got Google. It'll tell you how to get from A to B using a variety of modes. All of this has led to more and more of our city organizing itself. And about parking. Look, uh, surface parking is almost gone now in the downtown peninsula. And we're tearing down parking garages. One thing for sure in thinking about how we've been doing things is that that is definitely not the way we're going to continue. It's happening already. Uh, the idea that you'll own your own car and keep it and take all the liability of it when you'll have an option to get latest technology, more service, more choice, uh, basically subscribing to transportation, that's all on its way. Not sure how it's going to happen, how it'll work out, but you just know that the current way of doing things is in the midst of changing, and the better transit system is a really a big reflection of that. Hey, Brent, the city of Vancouver uh, announced last month that they were taking a look at a plan to allow Canadian Forces veterans to park for free on city property. Everybody wants to do right by the veterans. Everybody loves the veterans. We want to support and respect them, of course. But I'm wondering if you think maybe you should give them, we should give veterans free transit instead. Your thoughts? Well, it's hard to say anything uh, against um, an idea, kind of a political idea to do something uh, that's deserved for veterans. But if you're connecting it to something like parking and thus actually incenting them to park, uh, to drive, uh, which has a lot of costs associated for for veterans other than just the parking costs, versus incenting the kind of mobility that we actually know we desperately need to make our region work even better, like parking, walking, or sorry, uh, transit walking and biking. If you're going to do something nice for veterans, do something nice for the region and the functioning and the, the mobility for everyone. And we have to get away from creating accidental or even deliberate incentives to keep people driving. Hey, guys, we just got a couple of minutes left. Gordon, we're, we're told that ride-hailing is coming to our province by the end of this year. I think I'll believe it when I see it myself, but where do you stand on the ride-hailing thing? Do you think that would is going to help with mobility around the city? It's, it's already here. It's going to happen formally or informally. The technology allows it. I think yeah. the next wave is going to be small electric motors and batteries. And Man, we are so not ready for that when you look at what's happening with scooters and other places. So technology is just continuing to offer more options and more innovation. Uh, and it's not something that you can stop. It's something that you can regulate. The problem is trying to get your heads around what would be appropriate regulation is tough. I think the province made the right decision in not moving quickly and finding out what's happening elsewhere and establishing the regulatory regime. What applies to Uber applies to everyone and all the new technologies that are, and ways of getting around that are coming down on us. It's going to be a huge challenge and a lot of fun. Okay. Brent, we got 30 seconds. Where do you stand on ride hailing? Well, I was originally for it uh, because it it supports a non-car household. If you have lots of choices yeah. that, that allow you to not feel the need to own a car, then Uber sort of augments the taxi experience. But studies have shown in a number of cities 
that where ride hailing has come in, transit ridership has dropped. And I think that's something that's a great concern. Not every region is the same. But that's something that I think that has given everyone pause as this has come forward. Okay, we'll see where it goes from here. Guys, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Gordon Price from Simon Fraser University. He's a former Vancouver City Councillor. Brent Totteron, he is the former chief planner for the city of Vancouver.